You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 114, sponsored by Jim Hanley's Universe and Netflix. Welcome to iFanboy's Pick of the Week podcast. It's episode 114. My name is Connor. I'm here with Josh. Hello. And Ron. Hola. And we three are iFanboy. We like comic books. We read comic books. And every week we read a bunch of comics. We talk about the uh, best one of the week. One of us writes a review on it on iFanboy.com. We come into the podcast here. We do a whole show about that and other books and other topics of interest. Uh, normally we are more awake. <laughs> <laughs> These comics on the Fridays are killing us. <laughs> because the one thing that I know that people are all waiting around for on a Friday night is for me to make sure I get the pickup. Yeah. <laughs> some some are. I was. I was looking forward to it. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Before we get that. to that, a uh, quick reminder, this is a review show for the week's comics, so there will be spoilers. We will talk about things that, that happened in the book. So if you haven't read them yet, pause the show. Come back later. Don't Don't leave. Don't go away, baby. <laughs> and and actually on that tip also they're not going away um real quickly uh if you listen to our last week's show as we mentioned the quality wasn't the greatest what we normally like so just once again we just wanted to apologize for that um nothing but smooth sailing here on out we promise that uh that we will uh do better in 2008 and hopefully you uh, are patient with us and stick with us but we just wanted to thank everybody for powering through that um but i know a bunch of you kind of commented on the quality and that sort of thing so we hated it just as much as you did so probably um, more probably, uh, I, probably I, I more. guarantee yeah. more yeah absolutely so but this week free and clear so let's dive in so don't don't you know we're not through it yet <laughs> San Francisco's had some problems. It could be weather here. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I had the pick this week. I'm just going to take over. Um, let me tell you about my my comics. Initially, I had four issues on my list, yeah. and that's never good. Just because it was it was a light week. It was, it was a really light. light week. So it I was bought... the, it was a hangover after the 20 plus books they put out in the last week of the year. Last yeah, year. that's true. Yeah. Um, don't you wish they did this many last week? Um, and oh, they were all better last week. That's true. And so I added, like, I went in and I added Teen Titans, and I went, I got more books. I I read right. Ultimate Human. I went back. I read Ms. Marvel. Like, I was just trying to find something else to read, uh, to to fuel it. So uh, I left uh, Jonah Hex for last because I thought that it sort of had the best chance of being a good book, and I like to read the best books last. Um, and I'm reading this book, and I get to, I, I wrote this in my review, but I get to a certain point where. Basically, the writer's got a choice to do where where the basic the, the the quick story is that you go back to New York City just after the Civil War, and there's an Italian immigrant, and he has a peg leg, and he is standing in a line with a bunch <laughs> of men to try to find work, not unlike in Doc Walloper. Yeah. Um. So he gets up to the front of this line, and sitting at a table are a couple of men in like suits and top hats. A priest is next to him. Behind them are two men standing there with with badges and guns, presumably the sheriffs. So they start to give the Italian guy a hard time. And he's like, "This isn't fair. You can't treat me like this." And they sort of, no, no, "This isn't fair." Well, right. <laughs> Please. And so they shoot his peg leg. He falls down to the ground, and they're just they're just picking on him because he's weak, basically. And he looks over at the priest, and he's like, "And the priest is like, you're just going to sit there and let them do this?" And the priest is like, "I don't care about you." Uh, so the the sheriff dude puts the gun to the priest's head, and and he's just like, no, "Please." No, 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 
Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, he's like, please, I got a boy. He's all I have. And then the, the sheriff just is like, well, I guess that makes him an orphan. Now, in any other comic book, this is the point when the hero comes in and saves him. Right. But basically on this one, you turn the page and you see the boy uh, waiting up for his dad. You see that it becomes nighttime and then he's up in the morning and he can't find his dad. So they killed this guy. For no reason, this is the harsh reality of the world in the late 1800s in America. Right. Um, and that, to me is my favorite part of this book because they've never gotten away from that sort of harshness. And it's not about how, you know, it's not about the Jonah Hex comes in and saves these people from the injustices of what's happening. And Actually, I like, I really like that moment, but for me, what, is, what really got me in this was another choice they made. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, um, what I really love about this book in general is it never really makes the choices that I think it's going to make. Right. Well, and, it's always and, surprising. And the see, other choice I liked was 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 then later on we meet the, the boy get, wants to get revenge for for killing the um, father, and Jonah Hex can leave him to to basically die at the hands of these guys or come back and save him. And normally, most of the time in this book, he actually leaves people to die. Yes. When it's not his problem. When it's not his business, he just so he walks away. But then there was a he does it. He comes back, and there's a nice flashback to why he comes back, mm-hmm. and relating to other past issues. And, and there's actually a few like more things like that. Well, you can't. The thing about this book is you don't. It's exactly it. Is you don't know. See, that was the first instance in this issue that made me think. That made me remember why I really liked it. The second one. There's actually a panel in here where Jonah Hex smiles for what may be the first time ever. <laughs> um, where the oh the the kid becomes and it like basically that was a flashback to earlier and the kid becomes Starman or that's what he's known as and he goes around and he kills uh, crooked sheriffs and he collects their stars and they're all over his chest which glow all bright and gold which is why he's called Starman now it's it's not to be seen whether he's related to any of the James Robinson Starman family stuff because that whole book was about like the legacy of Starman. Um, but I just thought, that I was thought they were going to go that way, but I don't, I don't think that's it, what it is. They didn't, but they could. And I still think it's a nod to the fact that they're still in the DC universe because the title of the story of the issue is Starman. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's about doing right, which is, you know, when, you know, fighting the bad in the world and that kind of thing. Um, but basically, this was about the only good book I read this, this week. Um, I like how it played with time. It moved around a little bit like they'd go forward and then you'd see the scene from a different angle. Uh, maybe even just a few minutes before that one started, um, and then finally, just the art of Jordy Burnett or Burnett or is just makes me very happy. And um, I find myself looking through these issues for a second and for a third time, and just really looking at the storytelling and uh, that's going on in the pages, and it's it's just great. I mean, you can you can literally uh, not read the word balloons on these pages. Uh, and you can oh, follow what's going on, and 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 like if you really like if you if you have this issue, go back, take a look at the pages, and and try to just skip the words, and you can see every emotion that's supposed to be happening. You don't even need the words. Yeah, no, there, there, and there's a great, there's a great full page spread where he comes, he comes blazing in two guns blazing. Yep. On in the beginning, um, it's just be- it's beautiful. I mean, I'm I'm never gonna stop taking crap from people because the first time when Joey Burnett came on, I didn't really like it until I really. <laughs> well. <laughs> And I think that's and I, deserve, and I deserve it, but now it's it's just beautiful. I think that says something because I'm looking at that same two page spread that you're talking about. Oh, the one page spread where he's... yeah, the one page spread, the the one splash page. I mean, um, and like if you look at it technically, it's a little weird and it's almost simplistic. But when you pull back, 
you know, you, like if you focus on a little part of it, it doesn't seem like it's that good. But if you pull back and you see it as a whole, that's where you really see the the beauty of it. I, th- I think yeah. um, it, it's 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 very simple and sketchy at times, but like it just accomplishes something really well in a way that's not unlike sort of a European Darwin Cook, really. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a little more sketchy, uh, and it just it's it's sort of like how Sergio Le- Sergio Leone like managed to do American westerns as as an Italian. Uh, you know, this is the same thing. Like this guy's from Spain. He's worked in Europe his whole life, but he's got the the American Western thing that we don't actually see from a lot of the artists here. It's almost a metaphor for the book itself, where it appears and serves to be simple mm-hmm. and sketchy, but it's and, and you, know, you dig deep into it, it's not. Yeah, that's I just Jonah Hex in itself. We're twenty seven issues. We're two years into this. It always comes out on time. Um, you know, and it's always it's still compelling, even after a series of one and dones. And you you don't know what Jonah Hex is going to do, and I think you want to know what he's about. And it may not even be that di- that complicated, but you keep waiting for like the moment where he he's going to re- redeem himself in his heart of gold. But you know because they flash to the for- future, that's not going to happen. But you kind of want it to. I guess. Well, he kind of. Did. I mean, he did a little bit here by choosing to save the boy instead of it's leaving true. him to the sheriffs. It's true, that, but that was good because it, if he was always the hardest man in the world all the time, mm-hmm. you could just predict his movements. But now you you know. Every once in a while, something will touch him. He'll either he'll save a little kid or he'll save a woman. Right. Well, also, you never the, know that's going to happen. Sometimes he doesn't do that. Sometimes the morality of the book is sometimes provided by the the, the supporting characters who get introduced in each, each issue. Yeah. Which is which is an interesting way to do it too. Um. But uh, I mean, this was yeah, this was easily the best thing that I read this week, and uh, I was realized we haven't actually picked it since number four. Mm. So, it was due. Crime. Damn crime. You um, you really like to pick um, against the pack when you. Picked Ultimate Iron Man. Everyone else in the world wanted uh, Green Lantern twenty five, mm-hmm. and this week you picked Jonah Hex. And everybody in the everybody on the website picked Teen Titans Year One number one. Yeah, I don't do that on purpose. I I, I generally <laughs> yeah sure. No. <laughs> well, there, there was there, you know what? I, I, everybody, we'll get into it. I thought this book was beautiful, like everybody else said. I thought that it was written a little bit for kids, so it was a little simplistic for me, which is why I wow. I didn't Jonah Hex was oh. written for kids. No, no, Teen Titans number Teen Titans Year oh. One number one. I didn't get that at all. I didn't get that at all. I all thought it was Oh my great. god. And like and the thing is that like you know you know you always want to respect the pick and you don't want to poo poo and whatever else and I didn't get Jonah Hex so like I can't I can't compare the two but man was the Teen Titans year 1 number 1 the my pick for this week. Yeah. Like it's like slap like grab you by the collar slap you in the face good. You know like oh man and maybe it's just because I have a hard on for Carl Kershaw's art and to get a full issue with him it, you know and, and for like and I don't know why I like it so much I mean because it's it totally it's it, it's like straight out animation it looks like animation stills you know right. mm-hmm. um and normally I don't kind of like that kind of style but there's something about this where I was just like yeah this is going to be an awesome series I think you yeah. like that kind of style because you always say that but then you always say you like it so I think you just yeah. think you don't like you it like, yeah. Ramos. yeah who knows um, so. I mean the, the art was great too, but I thought the, you know the story was interesting, and I wanted uh, this is I love the beginning scene where where Robin and, and Wally were eyeing each other, and mm-hmm. yeah, and Wally couldn't wait a full minute for a response, and he got antsy and ran. I thought that, I thought that was an excellent page. It just, uh, that whole that, the, the whole kid page. that whole kid flash sequence uh, was with the all three pages were just fantastic leading up to the last page when there's actually a little explanation point word balloon from the fly on the wall. Yeah, which I thought was just like great, you know. <laughs> like, so I mean, it, uh, this whole issue—I mean, it laid the groundwork for what the story is going to be, and you see the different relationships that the, the each of the Teen Titans have with their mentors, you know, where you know where Robin and Batman, obviously, and well, you well, don't see so much. Something's clearly going on at Batman. It's not normal. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and you don't, you you never see Barry Allen Barry Allen as the Flash, but you get an idea about Wally. But then you get an idea like Aqualad was the one kind of thing that scared me because on the cover there's that weird kind of he's got that weird look to him. Yeah. But I thought that the two pages of Aqualad and then the the nonverbal kind of like moment with him and Aquaman was just great. You know? Yeah. So. Um, yeah. I have an idea why they'd want to strike out on their own because they're not you know yep. not the happiest of relationships with their people. And Wonder Girl was was fun where she's really distant from everybody. She doesn't really know where Diana is. She doesn't have any um, relationship with boys. And if you see that boy she runs into, his name is Steve Holt. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Look yeah. on the back of his jacket, it says Steve Holt. Steve That's Holt. too funny. <laughs> Whose mom's name is Eve Holt. <laughs> I just watched but, that um, episode. <laughs> I like I liked how in the in the Wonder Girl scene there's the 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 bed of music under you know separate air panels and then the record scratch at the end when she bumps into the into the boy like I thought yeah. that was, you know like nice little I mean like I thought this was well the 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 story and the art played well together and the art was just beautiful I, thought, I felt I thought vaguely uncomfortable in that scene if she didn't have pants on. Well, it's a costume. No, I know that, yeah. but it was just kind of weird because I don't know because I guess it's yeah. their kids. If you think about her yeah. as a kid walking around in panties in Times Square, that's yeah. kind of weird. Yeah, well, um, look at Robin. He's wearing just the same kind of thing. Yeah, I know. I saw. I was like, oh, you know, you can, you can. Uh, you know, what's funny is that I think that I was, uh, I think I fell prey to a, a common comic book thing. Is I was reading this, going, this is the wrong Batman. This isn't right at all. You know, like, hey, I were, who are you? No, and I thought that they were screwing it up, and then at the end, I realized that it wasn't. Yeah. Right. The whole time, I was like, this Batman's written horribly. So, like, I got it in my mind that it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? And at the end, I was like, because I was like halfway through it, and I was like, Connor's gonna hate this. <laughs> because like the Batman was just all wrong. Well, if they hadn't had the end where they said something's clearly wrong with Batman, then it would have yeah. been pissed. Was, yeah, you know. I like yeah. that 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 trailing end last uh, word balloon where Robin's kind of like the head down after getting hit, and the the, the jewelry store person, like, you want us to call your parents? You know, like yeah. and yeah, it was his parent. You know, like for all intents and purposes, you know. So um, yeah, I thought this is this is gonna be a great series, and and I love me the Kershaw art. So you know, it's I'm really happy. beautiful. I mean, it really really is beautiful art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he's really talented. Uh, yeah, but it's interesting that Josh didn't think he had a good week. I had probably four books that could have been pick of the week easily. Yeah, um, yeah. The next one that was the most surprising of all was Detective Comics eight forty from Paul Dini and Dustin Gwynn, the new artist on the book. This was the he's the regular artist. Yeah, he's in. It's, it will says introducing the new art team of. So I oh. assume. So. Yeah. Um. Uh, this was the epilogue to the Ra's al Ghul crossover, which, if that horrible crossover had to bring this great issue, then fine with me. Because this, yeah, I know. Talk about shocking in terms of how good it was and, and the resolution. That... Yeah, basically, Ra's al Ghul comes, comes to Gotham with his army and says, um, I'm tired of screwing around with you. I'm taking it right to you. And Batman says, all right, I'm taking it right to you. And he, he does something horribly grisly to Ra's al Ghul. <laughs> basically... He comes right up to the line of crossing his own line, but doesn't. But but comes very close and and just said, you know, his, he takes Razgul out. And I didn't think it was totally unwarranted because you know he lays out the whole kind of you know he's like you know you you come at me, you attack me, my family, and my home, you know, and like and now you come to my city, like you know, you know like yeah. and I and then Razgul was pissed because Batman beat him in in his city and in Nanda yeah. Prabhat or whatever, and so he's like, you come to my city, fine, welcome to my city. And totally, yep. like you said, shuts him down. It was amazing. Yeah. So thing about, um, the thing about Paul Dini is um, is is he he writes that was sort of a hybrid between the cartoon and the comic. Like there's a little bit of both, which is fine, yeah. I think, because the cartoon had such a good understanding of the characters, and the comic hasn't had that in a while. Um, but this was this was way more on the dark side of things, where 
where he, he, he can go in that direction, and he's not just a light, whimsical, funny writer. I like it um, when he does that a lot. Yeah. I mean, the ending of this issue is dark. All right, I didn't, I didn't buy this, but I'm clearly going to have to go back Oh, man, it. yeah. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. Have you, this, Ron, this was, have you been this buying... This is the first time we've seen Batman in a while. Like, like this is Batman. Oh. Ron, yeah. have you been buying the Rajal Ghoul stuff? No, just the just the, the one, just the detective issues. Oh, okay. Which, needless to say, I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, and see, I like, just oh, skipped. Oh, well, yeah. And you don't, but, need um, to, you don't need to hear. It's all explained yeah. in the, the okay, dialogue. Cool. I will um, go back and pick that up. It, I mean, it truly is a, it's a one and done, but that picks up on the, the tr- it's a true epilogue, you know what I mean? It, but he, he accurately kind of explains what's happened and how they got to where they are, um, and then just what happens in it is completely self-contained, and it was just like... Oh, it was good. I read this and I got. I was like, "Ooh, yeah." Yeah, I was, this was the shocker of the week for me because uh, that storyline minus the Nightwing issues was so bumbled that I didn't expect anything from this. And I read this and I was like, "Damn!" I don't know yeah. if this wouldn't have been my picnic. It was really damn. Really it sounds cool. like I should have. Uh, oh well. But, you, but you know, I don't. I don't blame you because you had no way of knowing the last. The last crossover was just not good. So yeah. Yeah. I don't. The one, I don't blame you in the least. Connor, did you pick up? The, did you see the typo? Yes, <laughs> I did. Yeah, Ar- Arham Asylum, Arkman, Ar- Ar- just what Ark, just yes. what Arkman needs. <laughs> yeah. And and so for a moment, I was just like, oh god, is there like another place? Do I not know about this place? And then and then I realized that it. Then later on, they referred to it as Arkham, so I was like, oh, it's just a typo. Oh well. You know what I love about Dean? He does great Bruce Wayne moments too. Yep, in the like taxi. The, the moment when he escapes the fight by turning into Bruce Wayne and and in the taxi was was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he 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 really he has such a fundamental understanding of the character that it's it's really nice when it works when it clicks. Yeah, totally. Uh, but I think you probably loved Uncanny X Men four ninety four. Um, I I I did, of course. It was uh, more greatness. Um, it, it it answered that last uh, last week. We were asking the question of how this is going to tie into Bishop's uh, past or future, future or yeah. whatever. <laughs> well, no. Well, technically, it's Bishop's past, but how right. it ties into the future. Our future. We've, we find out that Madrox and Layla are in the mutant concentration camp, and they meet a young Bishop as a kid who's who's in the camp as well. So now we're confirmed that this is is indeed Bishop's Bishop's you know timeline. Um, and I thought you know I thought it was really good. I mean, it, like it's again, it was like an aftermath of a, a little battle. You know, the Marauders and Bishop kind of tussle, and and ends up with the Marauders uh, Gambit and and uh, Sunfire and his team get the baby and they leave. But um, it and then it was interesting to see how Bishop handled you know basically you know covering up his betrayal and not explaining right. his motivations and and then um, and then you get the kind of the shocker at the end with Cable reaching out to Professor Xavier. So uh, now, I like this. I like the character moments. I'm having. I'm starting to notice a slight problem with this whole Messiah complex thing. Okay, and that is, um, we're at part ten of thirteen. I think we established. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what the, what the deal the baby is. We don't know anything about anything. We don't. Right. It's and it's becoming slightly repetitive in that. Yeah. Get the baby. Someone else got the baby. Someone steals the baby. The baby gets handed off like football yeah. every every issue, and right. it's like, all right, the baby's been stolen four times in a row now. I don't know why. At this point, I don't know what the, why the baby's important. You need, I mean, you can't reveal everything in the final issue. You need to have a reveal, and then there needs to be an epilogue. You know, you get to the point of this, in the movie mystery where who's a murderer. The movie doesn't end when you find the murderer out. Then if you find the murderer out, then there's another 30 minutes of you know, yeah. story. You need to have – the next issue needs to reveal something about what's happening because I don't know what's happening. Right. And at this point, all I know that's happening is this baby's being kicked around the – the X Men teams like you know another yeah the, the the problem is yeah we're at, we're at issue we're at issue ten of the of the story and we've got three three more to go and I'm sure there's gonna be an epilogue and like dominoes are still being stacked and they're not falling yet 
You know, yeah, so. he needs to start falling for me. I mean, I'm still enjoying, it, and I think he does the character stuff really well, and the interactions were really good. And he does, he writes a good Emma Frost, but it's just like, yeah, Baker does. I just like he he needs to, or not just he, but the team needs to reveal something now. I need to know who something about this baby, or something about what's happening, or what the what they're what Bishop is worried about, or what Cable's worried about. I need to know something about something because I don't right. know anything. And the the one interesting thing is that I know that you know there have been lots of rumors and denials and stuff like that. The, the, the main biggest rumor is that the baby is a resurrected gene. Um, and it's I've heard it's Rob Cordry, isn't it? <laughs> but um, I've heard I've heard lots. Cordry, he's got a little tuft of hair in the front. Well, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Well, that's the thing. That one panel, we finally see the baby up close, and the baby's got a little tuft of red hair and big old that green is blonde eyes. Hair. No, I, uh, the way my coloring looks like red. I see it as blonde. Oh well, it's but yellow. um. Yeah, well, uh, the thing is, if it's red hair or green eyes, then it's like it's Gene, you know, which is which which will be painful if it is. Um, but I, I think it's a, isn't that what everybody but you wants? I don't really care about. That. Well, I don't. I don't really want a baby Gene. I, I mean, you know, like I, you know, I'd, I'd be fine with a with a with a Captain Marvel return for Gene where she gets plucked out of the past. I'd be fine with that. <laughs> but I do want Gene back. But I don't know, like this, because the thing is, how does this? I don't understand how that works. Then how is she? I don't know. Anyway, um, how yeah, what no, works but, her, her third resurrection? Yeah, how what some I think some it has something of, to do with Mephisto. Oh wait a minute. <laughs> oh wait, she was born in Alaska, wasn't she? The baby, yeah. Is that where Madeline Pryor's from? Yeah. Well, that's where she. That's where she pops up, and that's where Scott's family was based out of. The Summers are based out of Alaska. Ah, uh, maybe. Eh, who knows? We'll see. Looks like it's pointing to her, but yeah, <laughs> something has to happen next month. Yes, I mean, next agreed. Week, next week, something needs to happen, and the <laughs> the teaser does not helpful. Predator X reaches the mansion. Don't care. A double cross. There's already been one. Layla and yep. Madrox, No Way Home. They they have been No Way Home for two issues now. Yeah. <laughs> they need to stop spinning their they need to stop spinning their wheels. Yeah. Uh, something has to happen. I'm still enjoying oh. it. I still had a really good time reading it. I just need something. Give me something. Well, luckily that something's going to happen within the month because it'll be over <laughs> by the end of this month. So I can guarantee you that something will happen then. So. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, I'm actually yawning. I just yawned. Okay. <laughs> are we done with the X Men? Yes. I think we are. All right. So. I won't yawn when I go to Jim Hanley's Universe, which is one of America's best and most progressive comic book stores. Jim Hanley's Universe offers the best selection of comic titles and related merchandise. Uh, from They have everything there and mainstream and manga, which we block off when we do shows there, uh, not on purpose. Uh, graphic novels, indie comics, all that stuff. Um, so when you are in New York City, it would be a crying shame to not visit them uh, uh, just south of the Empire State Building on 33rd Street between 5th and 6th. Um, and also, if you happen to find yourself in Staten Island, if you're on a countrywide jog, uh, you should go to 325 New Dorp Lane, uh, which is there. And if you get to the store, let them know that uh, you heard about it on iFanboy. Finally, go to their website, which is jhuniverse.com, or uh, friend them on MySpace, which, MySpace, which is myspace.com slash Jim Hanley's Universe, where art and literature meet. Nice. So it was a... last week's, I'm sorry. The best part of last week's live show was we do block the manga section with somebody trying to get to the manga right before the show started. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. We're, we're gonna. Do you to need do to get a book, or we'll get them for you. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to stop you from enjoying that. <laughs> so, um, so, so this week was also while it was indeed a light week. It was uh, several different creators had a bunch of stuff come out, and like stuff ended, and stuff was moved, and stuff started, and all this kind of stuff. So I thought it was interesting in that regard. I thought actually, you know, while it was a light week for me, I got like eight or nine books, and there actually was a lot of diversity in them. Yeah, um, even my little stack had a lot of diversity. I noticed that. Yeah, 
And one of them was one of them was a hotly anticipated new title from Rick Remender, um, his quote unquote superhero book, The End League Number One from Dark Horse Comics. Um, uh, did you guys pick it, this up? Or I did. Is it yeah. Dark Horse, not Image? It's Dark Horse. It's Dark Horse. He so. seems he seems to have a pretty good relationship with them at this point. The funny thing about this, the funny thing about this book was that, in, uh, um, at least in the store where I was shopping, by six o'clock on Friday they were sold out of it. Really? And um, people were actually hiding copies of it in the throughout the store to to save their co- like like the store owner was saying he was finding copies all over the place because people were like stocking it away to come back to get it. Because they didn't and I was like, have really? It's bucks. that it's that hotly it's like that it's that hotly wanted. And he said, yeah, he couldn't keep it on the shelves. He was sold out with, like, by the afternoon. So, um, yeah, but, I was like, but wow, meanwhile, I hear from all these stores that can't sell Fear Agent. Well, yeah, true, exactly. So, well, that's but, the difference between the store and the, the area that you're in. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, so what did you think of the end leak? Um, I didn't I'm waiting for the trade. I honestly, oh. I was a little disappointed by it. Um, really? Yeah. I, I basically, it's a story of, uh, alternate versions of sort of superhero archetypes that we know in a world there where there's, there's been sort of an apocalypse and, it's the fault of their version of Superman. Um, and basically he's really mopey and he's sad all the time. I just felt a little like there was nothing new here for me or nothing for me to grab onto reading this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I kind of share that sentiment. I was, uh, I was a little disappointed but, or, and or confused. I like the premise. I like the idea of in a, wor- in, in a world, mm-hmm. in a world where, um, where, where basically the superheroes lost mm-hmm. or the superheroes screwed things up and now the world is run by villains basically and the superheroes are kind of on the run and kind of, you know um, – yeah, I, I thought that was a good idea. What I was kind of not disappointed, but just like not really into, was the the use of the archetypes. And there's a Superman amalgam, and there's a Captain America amalgam, right. and there's a, you know there's a Wonder Woman amalgam. I, I didn't, so, yeah, I didn't really want that. I right, guess because yeah. I've seen that a lot, and I, I, I like, I don't know. I'd rather see new characters. I guess. Right. But yeah, the thing and, is, how many new superhero characters are there? Every you know character is an amalgam of somebody. Sure, yeah, but but you know, like when I'm reading, when if I'm reading like Invincible, I I don't feel like his universes are all full of all. He's rants. an he's an those are all amalgam. He's an amalgam. those are all amalgams. Yeah. I know that, but but this is specifically trying to be that. Whereas, right. like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, like their their Captain America is called Soldier American. It's not. Yeah, it's not. Well, he's, the, the it's point, not like the there's a speedster. Not, right, but the point is not. Um, you haven't read it. No, but I, I know these. There's lots of stories that do these things. Though mm-hmm. the point is, the point in that is not to worry about the characters themselves, and they're just a device to tell the story. No, but what he's, what it, I feel like he's trying to do is he can't tell the story with the real characters, so he made an approximation so that he could tell the story with those characters altogether. But is it? But is it? Wasn't that the Watchmen as well? Exactly. Yeah, no. Well, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like I just, I feel like it's been done better before, and you know, it's right. the first issue. I don't know. It could get better, but uh, I wasn't terribly interested about halfway through. Right. Yeah, well, uh, what, what I the, uh, the feeling I had by the end of it was I kind of had to exhale, and I was like, "Whoa, that that was heavy, like it was yes. heavy-handed, you know." It and was, it, it was uh, it, it was dense. It took a long time yeah. to read. It was dense and it was heavy-handed, and and that's the one thing that kind of gave me. And I, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm I wasn't a hundred percent for it and wasn't completely loving it. Um, shared a little bit of disappointment, but the one thing that I thought had hope was I thought the premise was good, and then that the you know like oh this is interesting. This is a superhero story that isn't where the superheroes aren't easily winning, and that it's not light and airy and kind of predictable. Yeah. Um, 
really the biggest the biggest knock I had against it is just the characters. That was it. Well, so, see, um, you know, the, well, for me, I think the overall mood, like basically, the premise of this is that humanity, were they to be given superpowers, would nine times out of ten act like assholes up. with it. Yeah, which may be true. I don't necessarily want to read about that. You read yeah. about the boys, don't you? Nah, it's not that bad. It's the, <laughs> no, it's it's that's not what the boys is about. That's actually what this is about. Yeah, it's about how like the darker side of humanity will eventually win over and fuck everything up. Right, and, and, and of course, I mean, I would imagine the premise is that the lighter side does end up winning and all that kind. Of, you know, I, I would assume that, but you know, we'll see. I mean, you say I'm 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 peaked. Um, my curiosity's peaked, and I'll keep reading it. Of course, you know, I'll try um, the next one. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I was just like, oh, this wasn't what I expected, you know, which is which which is I think admirable in a certain degree as well, you know, because it wasn't it could very well be just rote, you know, and 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 in, in one degree it was with the characters, but the other thing is that the premise and this the the tone of the book I thought was um was uh was different, so, but um but also quickly remember also had this week uh, sorrow number three um this is a four issue miniseries from Image Comics that he's writing and um. And the art is being done by Francesco Francovilla. Um, actually, Remender and Seth Pecker writing it. Are either you guys picking up Sorrow? Or I don't even. I've never even heard of it. Oh yeah, this is kind of why I wanted to mention it. It was a four issue, um, black and white. Um, hard to describe what it is. Um, I, I want to say horror comic, um, horror kind of thriller. Um, typical kind of you know horror movie where you know kids roll into a town and the town is taken over by some force and they all start getting and they're they're getting killed and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it just it's the kind of thing uh, similar to the walking dead where the fact that it's in black and white makes it a ton more creepier mm-hmm. and actually like i wouldn't want this book colored i think black and white is was the right decision for this book um it's not you know it's not typical zombies you know like it's it's horror without doing zombies which is which is always good um and it's just a different kind of book that uh, unlike anything else i've been reading and it hasn't gotten a, a ton of mentions i don't think and it's it's been really really good and it feels like one of those you know you know, I don't want to say I know what you did last summer, but like those kind of you know those horror movies that are straight out you know horror movies, and um, um, I've been enjoying it. It's almost done, so I'm, I'm sure you could still probably pick up the issues in, in, in the store if you're interested. And in it. it sounds like something you're into. Only four issues. Issue three came out this week, and it was um, you know kind of um, I want to say ki- I want to say kind of pulpy, but but modern. You know, like not you know not totally not dated. I mean, definitely definitely modern. Um, and this was the issue that kind of explained what was going on in the town and how the, the an Indian spirit had taken over the town and everybody kind of serves it. And now the girl who who randomly rolled into town was actually drawn there and she can undo the curse and all this kind of stuff. So, um, But there's a lot of violence, a lot of, you know, um, and the art and the, this art is just beautiful. So Speaking yeah. of beautiful art and a lot of violence, uh, yes. <laughs> Northlanders 2 came out. Uh, now – this this I wanted to talk about this book this week because normally like we talked about the first issue and normally try to let a issue kind of breathe before we come back to it right yeah. um, the opening sequence made me laugh out loud the idea that they're you know so so the the Sven guy is you know has been you know he escaped he's you know come back to his homeland it's his evil uncle's taking it over and he's just trying to it's just very quiet and serene and he's just trying to wash up at a river and then you just hear a thuck noise and he gets hit with an arrow <laughs> and then he kind of uses his shield to cover it up and and you know he doesn't know where it came from and it turns out there's a woman who's a sniper up on the mountain who just shoots yeah. arrows at anybody who comes close to her. I liked how another man came along and was like, "She got you good, huh?" 
<laughs> like he's just used to being shot by arrows. Yeah. And an arrow was... wound uh, in in the 1200s or whatever. Awful. This is not. Yeah. This is not. A, this is not a small thing. They treat yeah. it that way, kind of. But um, yeah. I, I just thought, I, th- I thought that the, the the balance of the humor humor with the violence from the last issue made me. I was like, oh, you know, like it kind of it was unexpected. Yeah. You know, so. I liked this better than the first issue. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely interested in continuing at this point. I st- I have my my reservations about a, I don't I don't, I do have a hard time when the when the protagonist is just sort of a dick. Yeah. Um sometimes so I don't really know what's going to happen with him but I think it's an interesting world that he he's set up here and I I I think I like that he's totally getting out of what I would say is his comfort zone as a writer yeah. Brian Wood I mean. Um and and not not and not doing poorly at it. Yeah. Um I think that there's there's it, it's not moving terribly fast at this point, so there's there's more to learn, and I, right. I, you know, not a lot happened in this issue, I guess, which is sort of why this wouldn't have been my pick, you know. But it was still. Oh yeah, no, good. I don't. I don't think it was pick worthy. I yeah. don't think it was. It was that, you know. But um, I, I thought it was. I thought it was enjoyable. It was a good second issue, and the story's moving, and, and yeah. there's a little nudity at, at the end, which is always fun. And actually, Dave, David Gianfelice Felice's uh, art, I think, is really really good. Like I, his. Like just some of the landscapes and stuff like the that. Landscapes like, are great. Yeah. Uh, it also, yeah. I mean, uh, the coloring on this book uh, yeah. is beautiful because it's got like a dusty, dirty grime to it all yeah. the way through, and that's yeah. really nice. Like the, if you look at the skies in the background, they're they're flecked yeah. with different colors and things like that. It's a yeah. it's a really nice looking production of a book. I thought the I thought the action sequence, the fight scene in the middle was was really well kind of choreographed. Yep. Um, you know, I really kind of felt like I was you know kind of watching it. You know, it was um, it was a good kind of little battle. So yeah, it was good. So yeah. I'm excited. Well, the, the one thing is, you like, do you remember um, when Connor picked Crazy number one? Yep. And one of the points that the guy in that book made was that you know just because we're from the dark ages doesn't mean we're stupid. It just means we don't have technology. Right. I do feel a little bit like these characters are kind of stupid. Yeah, and, and, and I see that. You know, since Warren Ellis wrote that, I'm starting to be like, well, wait though, they're not necessarily stupid. But then the codes of conduct and everything make you do things dumb. So I'm I'm still giving it time. Yeah. So is it a miniseries or? I don't. Know. Um, I think it's an ongoing. I do. I think it's an ongoing. It doesn't say on the cover like of six or anything like that. All right. Um, but a miniseries that just finished up this week uh, was Lobster Johnson Five. Uh, which was of, of five, which is just a, a, a Lobster Johnson, who's a, um, a Hellboy sort of supporting character. Um, and, and this is written by Mike Mignola and drawn by Jason Armstrong. I'll be honest, the whole um, the whole arc didn't really uh, woo me all that. I didn't really like it that much. Um, and the, the, I thought there was a really good final chapter, though. So I thought it ended really well, um, but I didn't really know what was happening before this. Too much. So, um, they drop you without any knowledge, or what do, what do you mean you didn't know? Well, no, it was kind of unclear what was going on, or I was inter- I was getting uninterested in the middle bits of it. Like the first issue was pretty good, and then two through four, I could sort of take or leave. They didn't really make much of an impact on me. But I thought that the ending was really exciting and good, and like he's fighting Nazis on a Nazi sub out in the water, and you know, uh, is he burning little little lobsters claws in people's heads? No one got burned in this one. What? I know, I know, it's terrible. Um, but it, some people got burned in the beginning. It's just funny because Lobster Johnson doesn't really doesn't have any character of his own, really, because he doesn't speak. He really, he does. I mean, he says a couple of things, but he does. There's not really much to him. He's a so, vessel. so like all of the like all the stuff around him is what makes it interesting, so, sort of. Um, 
But on the other side, the Jason Armstrong art in this was fantastic, and I, I spent a little extra time just going through it and looking at the pages and the sequences and things like that. It's great, great art. Really, really big fan. And I just, I do love the just the graphic image of Lobster Johnson is is great with those two sort of blank round eyes that are orange. Yep, that's all. Okay. Countdown seventeen. Um, stuff's happening now. Stuff's happening indeed in the in the in the first few pages. Yeah. Uh, now, can you explain it to me, Connor? Because I want to make sure I understood what happened. The first couple, the the which which one, the Eclipso stuff or the the Ray stuff? Both, because the Eclipso stuff tied into the Ray stuff. Right. Well, the the Eclipso is fighting Mary Marvel. Um, that's what's happening in the beginning. Uh, she wants Mary's black magic, and Mary right. Mary's now had the, the veil lifted. She doesn't want to give up her black magic to Eclipso. She sees that she's evil, and she doesn't want. And Mary doesn't want to be evil anymore. Um, and then that that leads into the big fight. We were, it's revealed that Monitor Bob uh, was it Bob or Rob? Bob, I think Bob. Bob. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he was in fact he's in fact evil, and he's been using the challengers to find Ray Palmer. Um, and then he still starts massacring the Justice League. Kills Barry Allen. Uh, he kills Barry Allen. He um, the Justice League of Earth Fifty One. Right. Kills he kills Barry Allen. And he really screws up the Elongated Man. Um, and then, uh, so that forces the challengers to grab Ray and try to run. He tries to grab Jean, get her to run. Jean gets killed. I mean, it's 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 basically it's your the the veil's been pulled back now, and you find out that there's there's been more going on this whole time than you realize. Um, the monitors are for the most part pretty evil. Uh, yeah. Then all the monitors show up, and they kill the they kill Monitor Bob, and then Monarch shows up with his, with his super big army. But now, now hang up though, because at one point towards the end of the fight. Mary Marvel starts referring to Eclipso as Jean. She is Jean. Yeah, and then she says, I know what you did to Sue Dibney. And right. It's time Jean Lauren pay for that unconscionable act, you know, like blah, blah, blah. Right. So is that, that – that confused the hell out of me because does that mean that Jean Loring was Eclipso and that's – and is that, is that retconning identity crisis or is that from a different Earth? No, that's, that's, that's the primary Earth. Right, so, so when Jean Loring did everything that she did in identity crisis, she was corrupted by Eclipso? Uh, maybe. Wow, that's big. Hmm. Or uh, I mean, the thing is, that's not important. Okay. You know what I mean? Like this story. <laughs> yeah. And there was an important identity crisis because you have identity yeah. crisis on, alone in a hardcover. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I'm not worried about that. No, I'm just saying. I just thought it was interesting how they tied the two together. You know, what I mean, like all the stories that were out there on outlying plot threads are now being kind of tied up together and, and related like, to each other. Wasn't there something that happened after identity crisis where they? Eclipso was given the the the, the gym was given to Gene in in Arkham. I might have missed that. Yeah, that's because I don't I read think, everything. So yeah. I think that's what happened. I think she was okay. merged with Eclipso afterwards. I'm sure someone knows knows more and will um, write in and correct us. <laughs> it's not that's not important. The important yeah. thing is is now the monitor's plans are being revealed. and There's going to be a big ass war now. Yep, for sixteen um, issues. Should be awesome <laughs> to, to get to end all wars. Um, I wanted to mention uh, just real quickly that I I read uh, Warren Ellis's Ultimate Human number one, which is basically Ultimate Hulk versus Ultimate Iron Man. Uh, hopefully, Pretty much. This, this one finishes. <laughs> you know, uh, it might be late, but it'll probably come out. Uh, this is actually pretty good. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Hulk stories just in general, but I thought that this was really cool because A, uh, had uh, Ultimate Tony Stark, who's kind of, you know, a prick, but in a charming way. Your favorite character? I do love him. I, he's a great character. Um, and then the other hand, like just the the Hulk in the Ultimate Universe, at least, there's a huge sense of danger around him. 
and he's really scary and they don't know what he can do and what you know that's what the ultimate hulk has over the the regular hulk is that he he they will let him massacre people yeah and and it's great because there's a real sense of danger about him and so when basically they do an experiment because they're going to try to bruce banner goes to tony stark and he says cure me basically you've got stuff that can help and so they go to do a test on him and all of their fail safes fail and the hulk gets out and 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 basically you know all hell breaks loose like it will but Unlike when I read Marvel comic versions of it, where I'm not worried about anybody getting killed because they're trying to keep the Hulk good, like the Ultimate Hulk is, is really friggin' scary because he's got no limits. Right. Um, I, I was I read this too, and I was surprised because not I was surprised. I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, it was a little bit um, typical kind of Warren Ellis with a lot of techno babble and nano, you know, nanites that do this and all that kind of stuff. But it was good. It was good typical Warren Ellis. So, um, and I thought Carrie Nord's art was just was great. I mean, yeah, was, definitely, it, art was really really strong in this. It was also like similar to a, a big Remender week. It was a big Ellis week, at least for Marvel, because he had not an Ultimate Human, but uh, Thunder, the most recent issue of Thunderbolts came out. And um, I don't have it in front of me, so I forget the issue number. But um, one, uh, no. this is the first one in a while. Um, I remember the last one. You know, was, was, the last issue was when the Doc Sampson speedball penance kind of issue That's just picks up. Ago. Yeah, it was a few months ago. Yeah, I don't know if it's Theodato or Ellis that's causing the delays or whatever. But essentially, um, this picks up from where that happened. And while that's happening, you've got Norman Osborn um, starting to turn back into the Green Goblin. You know the mask is in the draw, kind of, um, kind of, you know, taunting him. And then at the same time, um, explosions start happening throughout the entire Thunderbolts Mountain because it turns out that the swords, the swordsman who is um, on Andreas Strucker, the son of Baron von, Baron Strucker, the Hydra guy, um, has now shaved his head and assumed the mantle of Baron Strucker, and has slowly bought off the agents working in Thunderbolts Ma- Mountain to help him. And, and, and he blew up the place, and now he's you know trying to using his little army to get out. And I don't know; it just seemed very disjointed and kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but I like the idea of the um, the the Strucker because you know, I didn't understand what the swordsman was doing there, and, and that, that that's a character that has a rich history as a villain and, and with his father connection. It was good to see kind of Ellis embracing that. But again, I don't understand how this book fits in the greater world and how what's going on with the Thunderbolts. You know, like I still don't buy the. Cons- Seat. I don't buy that Shield wouldn't come in already, and it just—it's very. Kind of, I'm, I'm very curious by this book. I want to. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It doesn't yeah. fit. Like it's just yeah. it's another feet. pocket book. Like if it's sort of look at it as its own pocket little universe. Yeah, yeah, totally, um, totally. The further really loss of well, continuity. Yeah. While you were um, talking about Warren Ellis, I, w- I went back and looked at the Countdown Dialogue, and uh, she says you have. She says I know what you did to sue Gene Loring has to pay for that act. She's not talking about Eclipso. Oh, okay. Gene has to pay. And then I looked up online and I was right. She, she was given the Eclipso gem after she was in prison for. Got it, got it, got so it. She, they're, not, they're not retconning ultimate. Uh, okay, Whew. okay, Whew. okay, that's good. Um, oh, real quick, as I flipped through my stack, I just, and I totally forgot to mention, but uh, Dynamo 5 number 10 came out and it was awesome again. So that book keeps rolling on awesomeness. So. I'm going to pick that up. Oh, so good. So good. So. Okay, time to get to the emails then. Um, uh, the first email is from Andrew in Saugus, Massachusetts, who says, With this week being light, I was browsing my shop looking for new stuff, like Josh was. I picked up Mr. Stuffins number one and the chemist number one and loved both of them, only to find out that they were released months ago and there are no number twos in sight. I want to get into indie stuff more in issues, not just in trades, but I don't want to get burned again. I picked up Pax Romana number one last week, and now I'm praying the same thing doesn't happen to that book. Any suggestions, or should I just stick to the trades? I don't think well, you have to worry about Pax Romana. 
Yeah, no, Pax Romana is going to be a complete four-issue series. Don't worry about that. And the thing is, you never know. Mr. Stuffins and the Chemist might have number twos come out someday. It's just that the problem with indies is that sometimes the schedule gets really delayed. And for example, there was a book, uh, image book that I've been reading, Pirates of Coney Island, which um, Rick Spears and uh, Vasilis Los, Los, Losos or whatever um, his name is, Vasilis is his last name, and um, – I got the I, 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 I got the first issue and then I, I missed a couple of months. I picked up two, three, four, and then there was literally months between the cur- the issue that just came out last month. Like it, to the point where inside the cover they put, well, it's finally out, you know. So well, you know, the, the important to keep in mind is that uh, Mr. Stuffins I, I think was a Boom Studios book. Now they have funding and everything, so they're not really indie yeah, other than uh, in the same. Well, no, way. they're they're an indie. No, they're, they're, indie. Indie. they're, they're indie. They're totally indie. well, yeah. right, but. Um, Whereas, but they have got like a staff, and like you know, Mark Wade is, is in charge of their staff. Right, but that doesn't but, mean but, the, the, the creators are still indie. They're right, still, okay. It doesn't mean they're not played by delays too. They're right, but, but listen now. Now the Chemist Number One, that's an Image book, and what you got to understand about Image is that uh, the the creators don't get paid until after the fact. So if, for example, their book doesn't sell, then they're sort of into the publisher for a lot. And a lot of these, you know, like to take a comic, to make a comic book is kind of a full time job. But if they're not making enough from it, there's a lot of real life that can get in the way. I guess, um, you know, so whereas Robert Kirkman can afford to do a bunch of those books, you know, not all the books from Image are coming out by guys who are able to do that for a living yet. And yeah, I, I don't yeah. know exactly how it works with Boom. But, you know, like it's possible that if, you know, the chemist comes out and, and not enough people read it, then he just won't have enough of a, a financial ability to keep doing it, I guess. Uh, That's, this is primarily why I read Indies and Trades only. Right. Well, yeah, I, don't, I don't ever buy the issues. And the thing is, is I mean, and you're, you're knowing it's a risk, and there's something like, you know, something like Proof from Image, which is now on its third issue, you know, could have, you know, died on the vine after issue one. They could put one out, didn't, you know, and, and whatever, not go forward with anything. Um, the one thing I would say is, I, you know, if you see a book you like and pick it up, go on the internet and look it up. Most likely the creators or the publisher has something about it on their websites, and you get an idea of what's going on with the book, if, there's, if it's coming out soon or not. I wouldn't, I mean, yeah, I mean, whether you want to wait for trades or do issues, personally, I like picking them up in issues, and I I like finding a new book and being excited by it. You know, and if people um, don't buy them in issues, there's certainly going to be a trade. There's, there's nothing yeah. – well, not necessarily. There's nothing worse than picking up an issue, getting excited about it, and finding out there's no more. I'd rather just not read the first issue and not have to Right, but then there's it. nothing more exciting than going to the store and seeing that the second issue is finally out. Yeah, and also well, I don't feel like that happens trade, a though, That's the most exciting thing because you get the whole story. Yeah, well, I mean to each, everyone to each their own. You know? yeah, but, I, don't, um, I don't feel like that happens a lot where there are tons of unfinished stories. Like, I, that is, that, I mean that – I've bought lots of indie comics, and that, that's not like the regular thing. A lot of times yeah. it's people doing it because they love doing it, so you know, the, that passion will end up paying off. You yeah. just got burned by two things in one time. Yeah. So. So. All right. Our next, um, our next email comes from EGB Doherty, who writes in saying, um, in the early 2000s, Wolverine became a horseman of apocalypse, the character, not Al Gore's pet cause. Ha ha. Um, while Wolverine serves Apocalypse as the horseman, Death, a Skrull imposter takes his place in the X-Men. The real Wolverine later kills the Skrull imposter. Wolverine eventually overcomes Apocalypse's condition with the help, conditioning with the help of Jubilee. My question is, why didn't this tip the entire Marvel Universe off to the presence of the, the Skrulls? It's basically exactly what happened in the new Avengers plotline, which started the Secret Invasion event. I'm just nitpicking, but still, come on. See episode 49, Continuity. Or fifty, <laughs> and the thing is, is that who knows that 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 moment won't be referenced in Secret Invasion. You know, maybe it will be. Maybe so, yeah. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't. I mean, Wolverine's in yeah, there. I wouldn't. Thing and Bendis since and all that stuff. But still, the point is, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you suck. Yeah. No, I mean, really. It, 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 see, I mean, this is this is something that would have been perfect to end the continuity episode of our video show with because this is the kind of stuff yeah. that. 
gets you know annoying. It's well, like, basically, everything can't fit together. Can't reference everything. You can't get in the way of a good story. Well, you know, you don't you don't want to get in a position where Brian Bendis goes, "I've got this great idea for a story," and he comes up, and it was something they hadn't thought of earlier. And then somebody, an editor goes, oh, well, in the early 2000s, Wolverine was a horseman of the apocalypse and there was this girl, so we can't do that. Like, would you not want to read the story because of that, that it happened earlier? I mean, that doesn't make any sense, I guess. Um, and it could have been a, it could have been a rogue scroll. You know? <laughs> I like, you, you fix continuity. I say it yeah, doesn't, exactly. I say ignore it. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's got their own justifications, but the stories must go on. Exactly. Sounds yeah. <laughs> um, Nick Maynard writes and says, "I've heard you guys talking about how it made sense for Marvel to delay Civil War because of its importance, but that doesn't that doesn't make sense for Marvel to delay a book like Mighty Avengers because it's not going to matter very much in the end who drew the last issue." Well, here's the scoop on that: the industry has changed in recent years, and the bookstore market is more important than it ever was. What happens is Marvel signs a deal and contracts with the bookstore people, and they base how much they order on Mar- what Marvel tells them about the book because the deals happen before the issues are even all out. Barnes & Noble is going to order more if it's a book with a single big-name artist and it will if it has a fill-in issue, just because stories with fill-ins have a stigma about them. That's why the book says special thanks to Brandon Peterson instead of additional pencils by Brandon Peterson, but Frank Cho can say he did the backgrounds inside Ultron and interviews. The orders have been, it's basically, it's, he goes on for more, but saying the reason why uh, we talked about that Brandon Peterson issue of Mighty Avengers not saying pencils by Brandon Peterson is because it would piss off people who ordered the book, um, namely the stores. <laughs> and... Um, we actually talked to um, some people in our stores, and they confirmed that they order based on the solicitations with, with the creative teams. And if they don't have those teams, they're allowed to return the books. Right. Hmm. So that's how the business side is affecting things now is that um, they artistically they can't – they have to stick with these people, and they have to stick with delays because if not, then the stores can just say, nope, this is not what we bought, and send it back. And at this point, the trade sales are important enough so that that's a big deal. Huh. So that's that's the way that the world works now. Deal with it. Yeah. Stupid Frank Cho. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think I'm going to have to finish my book today. <laughs> I got to finish this would, the, the, I got to finish this level in this video game. Wouldn't you love to go to Frank Cho's house and just be like, "Look at you wasting your time." Like and just go <laughs> through it and streamline his life. You're just yeah. wasting minutes all you're wasting cycles, Frank. That's what you're doing. <laughs> Jeez. I don't know. I'm... And talk like an internet jackass. <laughs> yeah, at the, at the end of the email says, um, it's very interesting to see how the business side of things affects the creative side. This book may, uh, the bookstore influence may seriously ruin Bendis' intricate Marvel uh, Avengers, Mighty Avengers, Illuminati tapestry. I wonder how Marvel will change the way it does business to respond. They won't because they need to sell the book. Yeah, I don't think they, I don't think they will. I think they'll roll with it and they'll, they'll make the changes they need to and they'll do what they have to. And, and I mean, the thing is, is that like we, you know, we never said that Civil War was delayed because of the importance of the artist. Marvel said that and then we said that that's what Marvel said and that's an opinion, you know. Um, and, you know, the, the, the presence of the, um, of the trade market and the retailers and stuff like that does affect their business. I mean, it's all these kind of swirling pieces that are that it, this big puzzle that they need to put together. Um, okay. So, you know, at the end of the day, they have to sell the books to the stores. They're not so much they they don't sell to us. They sell to the stores who didn't sell to us. So they have to. They're if stores don't buy their books, they're screwed. Yeah, true. So. Um, all right, so if you have any more insight into the way the comic book business works, or you know any retailers <laughs> who can shed some more light, you can email us at contact at ifanboy um, yep. And if you're and, an artist who's, who's screwing up your deadlines because you're watching movies, you're probably getting it from Netflix, which has over 75,000 titles, no late fees, and they got free shipping both ways and super fast delivery. Plans start as low as $4.99 a month, and if you go to www.netflix.com slash iFanboy, 
you can get a two-week free trial and make sure you put that WWW right in there. So that's from Netflix. Cool. I watched, okay. I watched a whole bunch of 30, 30 Rock from Netflix. Good for you. You're not wrong, Connor. I know I'm not. Okay. <laughs> so, um, all right, so on to the voicemails. Um, our first voicemail has got some more insight into the uh, Iron Man's uh, dedicated title issue. So, yeah, this is Chris from St. Louis. And, Josh, whenever you picked up that Iron Man issue, that was the first issue that has been good in a very long, long reign of subpar and bad Iron Man books since the extremist arc. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you continue to read it until it starts sucking again. Um, That's good to know that I somehow clairvoyantly knew not to buy crappy Iron Man. Um, well, it's funny because some people told, some people responded to that segment by saying that the whole series had been good. So I guess there's no way to know until you read them yourself. There isn't. There's only my clairvoyance. Yes. <laughs> I can. I wave my hand over certain covers. This one feels good. Yes. It, it, hey, it worked. Don't don't yeah. knock it. I'm going to keep reading it, but it, it, I when put it my sucks, hand over one more day and it gets cold. <laughs> <laughs> Mine disappears like in Back to the Future. <laughs> Uh, all right, so our next voicemail checks in on the Star Wars issue. Hi, this is Sam from Wisconsin, and uh, this is for uh, Ron. Um, listen, I was listening to the um, iFanboy uh, website a couple uh, weeks ago when you talked about the um, Star Wars comics, and you were saying you were um, you heard it's good, but you didn't know when to jump uh, jump on. Well, I wanted to tell you that. Um, a good jumping on point would probably be uh, now for um, Knights of Old Republic because it's a very good book, and it's written it's written by the same author uh, the whole time from first issue till now. And I met the guy; he seems that he's got a really good head on his shoulders. And they write uh, this month is a new uh, all new uh, run, so I think you should, it's a good time to jump on and try it out. All right, thanks very much, and uh, I love the show. Uh, I just can't. I can't do it. As much as I love Star Wars, I can't read these books. Oh, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna try. I'm gonna give yeah. them a shot. I figure. I, I was thinking about it after hearing this voicemail, and I was. Um, and I love the Star Wars universe, and it's been it's been a few years layoff, and I'm thinking I might I might make a, a triumphant return in 2008. So I'm gonna look at the line. I'm gonna see what I could pick up, see what I can jump in on, and maybe I'll take Sam's advice and um, and get back to y'all. But I'm gonna. Um, I, mean, I think I'm gonna do a Star Wars Renaissance in 2008. If there's anything that I would read, it wouldn't. It, and, and, that, and this is nothing against Sam, obviously. So I wouldn't probably, I probably wouldn't read the old Republic stuff because that's that's not. Part yeah, of it. I did yeah, love I the mean, Knights of the Old Republic game. It was actually a really good story, both of them. Oh, so maybe, maybe you'd like the comics then? No, I don't want to read anymore. <laughs> it's because you just don't like comics anymore. I, I just no, I, I don't want to read Star Wars comics. I, <laughs> yeah. I just don't want to. I don't know why. Fair enough. So. I'm more interested in the post the post uh, Jedi story. Oh, that's that's yeah. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, inter- I'm interested in that. I'm interested in the in-between the movie stories. I always love those. They still do those? Yeah. I don't think they do those. I, oh, yeah, they must. I'm sure they do a little bit of everything. Is there anything so, left? Yeah. So. <laughs> to do? So. <laughs> yeah, because you never know how much time elapsed between the two. So you could, yeah. Anyway, well, if you have the answers to any of these questions, you could uh, call us and leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. Um, and that's a show right there. It is. So let's, let's There's your show. Let's there's your show. Right there's your show. Uh, uh, there. <laughs> so if you want to do your post-holiday shopping, you do that at ifanboy.com slash store. When does the post-holiday shopping period end? I don't know, but it's November, never. and it starts over. <laughs> what? November, then it starts over. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. It goes right to the next one, then. Well, yeah. ifanboy.com slash store, you can see our 
weekly picks from the a video show, and you can see our um, all media picks, which we should probably update now. So you're over there. You're at ifanboy.com. Uh, there's the pick of the week that one of us will write and put up every week, and then all sorts of other stuff. This past week, there was our, our best and worst of 2007 up there, um, and lots of discussion going on about that stuff. Uh, so make sure that you check out the website regularly. Indeed. And um, when you're going to want to check out the website on Saturdays and check out our uh, video show, our video podcast, or you can go to revision3.com forward slash ifanboy and check it out there. Um, every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern time, uh, episode comes out. And uh, yesterday, uh, you, you, hopefully you watched our episode about Preacher. And um, next week is our year anniversary show. And so we're going to revisit a, a familiar topic. So. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a year. Can you believe that? A uh, year of that yeah. damn show? You know what? We had a really hard time picking another five. Oh, five more? iFanboy <laughs> uh, um, uh, t-shirts are available at jinx.com slash iFanboy. People are sending in pictures now, which is nice. That was a really cool one. Uh, we got a, a couple weeks ago with, guy f- with a flaming Jedi sword, it looked like. So the bar awesome. is now raised for you people. So send your pictures into us and to jinx.com. We'll give you stickers. iFanboy t-shirts at jinx.com slash iFanboy. Contact dot I, dot, uh, contact at ifanboy.com and 888fanboys. Just to reiterate one more time, which is 326-2697 for emails and voicemails of your various musings. Yes, and um, and if you're on the wet internet and you like to uh, participate on the internet, you can participate not only by going to ifanboy.com, but you can go to MySpace and ComicSpace and Verb and Facebook and Twitter, and you can find us there probably by appending forward slash ifanboy on their URLs. Um, so, and if you're on there, you know how to find us. So be our friend, please. Uh, if you like the show, you can leave a review on uh, iTunes for us or for the video show. And even better than that is to tell your friends, tell your comic book store owner, tell um, the guy who sells you your deli meats. <laughs> uh, and if you uh, you got back from your deli meats and you got a little money left over and you want the show to keep going forever and ever, uh, you could help by sending money to uh, ifanboy.com slash donations uh, and, and doing what you feel might be appropriate for you. Yes. You know, I, I'm not <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying you got to sell your furniture. <laughs> but come on well, like Cinderella Man I think compared to public radio we don't really beg very much <laughs> we, we should do a pledge drive week where like every five minutes we just interrupt the show if you want this continued programming <laughs> we, we're dependent on your support there you go God. so up there alright well I'm going to enjoy this, this light week and, and not read any more comics until Wednesday I just want to get back on the Wednesday schedule you cannot this, this... read comics you see the stack of post-Christmas Books I have, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, just yeah, the but, just the cap omnibus alone. It's just the fr- the Friday thing is just killing me. That's all. So I loved it. It's a return to the early nineties. Yeah, it is. It is. This is crazy. Yeah, oh, that's my midweek thing. If I don't have that in the middle of the week, I have nothing. <laughs> I need I, Wednesday is so the best day for comic books. <laughs> uh, I like Friday. You don't have to worry about going to work the next day. You know, you can yeah, except you got to worry time. about reading all your books in one night, writing a pick, and then recording a podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, for normal people, you don't. Yeah, have normal that. people. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to worry. You can stay up late reading your comics. You don't have to worry about going to bed. <laughs> all right, on Thursday. So uh, <laughs> until next week. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm bleary eyed, Connor. <laughs> Give yourself I a nickname. I need a shower, Ron. Uh, my face is itchy, Josh. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.